Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Zeitgeist, a conversation with two friends chatting about the future, the intersection of technology and society, all that fun stuff. How are you doing, Noah? I'm doing pretty well, Humphrey. It's a sunny day here in Massachusetts, but I'm excited to be out in the bay with you pretty soon. Yeah, spreading, I was... my, spreading my ideas and COVID germs. And hopefully you don't actually spread any COVID germs. I mean, like, your situation right now is pretty isolated, isn't it? I've been totally locked down. Um, and I actually got tested like last week and I'm COVID negative. I am actually being responsible. So yeah. before before Twitter clips that and comes after me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I'm thoroughly looking forward to welcoming you to the Bay. But actually... I think it is pretty interesting why you're coming over. Want to tell everyone why you're actually coming over here? Yeah. So I recently quit my job at a big tech company. And after talking it over with a friend uh, or two, I think I'm going to try to start a company. So I'm coming over to the Bay Area to uh, cohabitate with my co-founders on their couch and just code for 12 hours a day. And I'm, I'm very excited. This is all feeling very social networky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, you know, we're, we're going for that hacker house vibe. It's like hype house, except with unattractive people. <laughs> unattractive people, as in not actors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I'm super pumped. Excited to see all my Bay Area friends. But, you know, just, just living that tech pro dream, really. It's actually... I'm personally very, very excited for you and wish you the best of luck on your journey. Slash, also, I will very much be present. We'll probably go on a hike or something, you know, and, of or, or, and probably record this podcast together in person. Absolutely. All right. So, why have you brought us here today, Humphrey? Why have I brought us here? One of the main topics that I think we should probably discuss today is basically talking about how we view work, I suppose. And obviously, pretty huge part of the human societal experience in some way. Um, but I think in your case, it's particular, and I suppose in both of our cases, it's pretty interesting just thinking about the major shifts in how we've gone about work in the past really like couple of months, I suppose. Just for context, you've now left your job to start a company. I recently left my job at another large tech company to also not start a company at all, um, but rather just go forth and pursue things that were much more aligned with my interests and also like a couple other like random side jobs. And so I think this conversation about work and side hustles and things like that is definitely something that we've both been thinking a lot about and wanted to chat about. Yeah, so the the reason I've been thinking a lot about side hustles lately is just working within a startup culture can feel very totalizing. Like, like there definitely is this pressure to work basically all of the time. And then certainly whenever you are doing work, it should be work that's directly productive to the enterprise you're trying to build. And one thing that I think me and the rest of the team were starting to notice as we embarked on that like type of culture was that it wasn't actually optimal for getting the most work done. There's not a total match between the inputs and outputs for this type of creative work you have to do when you're 
building a product or you know putting a pitch together like it's all like very non-linear and i think that really got me thinking about well what is the role of a side hustle in the context of productivity and I, I think what was surprising as i started to think about it was it's probably not one where you just like work 120 hours a week or whatever but then in addition to that i think it's actually really important to have multiple creative outlets because often I've found it to be the case that when I hit a roadblock on some kind of problem I'm working on, the absolute worst thing I can do is keep working on that problem. Because usually what happens is I get frustrated, I don't get a lot done, and I just kind of spin my wheels for a while. And what I found is the best thing to do is to go work on something else entirely. You know, side hustle could mean lots of different things. But here I'm using it more just for this, like, almost like a hobby or just something that feels purely creative to you and does not have the stresses and expectations of your normal day job. Mm -hmm. So that's really the context I've been thinking about it in. But I also think it really gets into something that we both think a lot about around, like, what is the what is the meaning of life? (laughs) <laughs> how, how, how should you achieve self-actualization and capitalistic societies? But, you know, at the beginning, my thought process was purely just on the productivity side. I think one interesting way of going about this as well is also talking a bit about our, like, this transition in particular. And so I did kind of want to ask at some point, what was it like in your previous job? And like, what was that work culture like? All cards on the table, I guess. I was working at Google for two years or so as an associate product manager and really was like, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm for, for sure. And that can be broken down in many, many different ways. Google is an amazing company and does a lot of really awesome work. They're really kind and smart people that I genuinely did enjoy working with for the most part. But I don't think that it really matched the way that I wanted to work. I think there was a very big mismatch between the heavy process and bureaucracy and also the fact that eight hours of my day was also being spent working on something that didn't necessarily feel aligned with both what I wanted to work on and how I wanted to work on it. And so I think there was a really big tension for me, honestly. That's something that I was constantly trying to find side hustles to support a different side of me that would make myself feel a little bit more whole again in some way, Mm -hmm. or at the very least make me feel like I was working on something that I genuinely had control over and that was really aligned with my interests and all of that stuff. And so... For me, that manifested mostly through diving into misinformation, as you well know, and really like getting into research communities and going to random conferences and meetups and really just embedding myself into that researching community and also doing other readings and things like that. And I started seeing some intersections between that and my work, but I think for me, ultimately, I did actually have to leave and go into a different work environment, a different work mission and culture and institution entirely in order to really find that matchup. And the way that I've described that has actually been kind of similar to what I think you start going into as in some of your thoughts on side hustles, where at this point, 
I now work at Recidivist, which is a nonprofit tech company that basically works on criminal justice reform through data. And that side of things is very much supported by a lot of the other random things that I just read and content that I consume and side projects that I take on. And they feed off of each other in a really ultimately productive way. Like, and it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like I'm doing it in like specifically to like drive productivity in this direction, but it's more that like different sides of me can now kind of play off of each other in a really productive, a really inspiring way that feels ultimately aligned with the way that I just want to exist in this world, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, that got way too deep, I suppose. Well, so it, it really perfectly ties in with something I've been thinking about recently, which is just that work-life balance is completely overrated. And I don't mean this in terms of like, you know, you should be chained to your desk all day, but more just like having this very deep division between your work persona and your life persona to me just feels like you're not going to be living either to its maximum. Like (laughs) just Mm. to take this to like a reductor ad absurdum level, like, do you think Da Vinci had work-life balance? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think Martin Luther King had work-life balance? Like, no, like they just had a life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to that. Like, I think there's something to just deciding here's who I am. Here's what I'm interested in. And, I'm going to just work towards the kind of career where I don't have to change that at all. Mm -hmm. And I think what that enables you to do is work when it doesn't even feel like working. And I think specifically, too, you just get all this like ambient and passive work done where you just read the content because you think it's interesting. But then four months later, it just happens to slot in perfectly for some problem you're trying to fix at work. And I think there's just something about how even if you are really motivated, but just not that interested in whatever industry your work was in, you would just you would be able to go to the meetings, you'd be able to get the explicit works done. But you just wouldn't like read that arcane blog post that actually was really useful or you know, dive into that data set that actually tells you something very important or just think about shit for hours on end the way that I know you think about misinformation and community and different stuff with that. And the way I think about fintech and, you know, there's just something so nice about having that alignment between what you think about on your own time and what you work on during the day that is very, very hard to get at a big company. And as a result, because most of the jobs are big companies, it's like, it's very, very hard to get in general, I think. But when you can get it, it's it's pretty electric. Yeah, definitely. And so one thing that I did actually also want to ask, just given the nature of us and this podcast, et cetera, is how do you feel like this is different from the way that your parents approach this Mm. because I think that this is actually like a this is definitely something that I've not necessarily butted heads with my parents about but for example leaving Google 
was a pretty significant jump for them. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious, because I definitely remember you just be like, oh, whatever, I'll leave Google. (laughs) (laughs) It was the most casual thing for you. For me, I think for, for my parents, it was kind of like, you are literally leaving a job that pays you in like some total of benefits and everything like that, probably like twice as much or something like that. Like if you include like stock and like all sure. the things and like the future benefits and yeah. then also the fact that it's a well-respected company and lots of opportunities and like, and you're leaving it in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> like literally had this conversation with my parents and they were like, I just don't really get it entirely. I think through later conversations, we definitely reached more of a common ground. And I think they did understand where I was coming from and what the values were that drove that decision. But it definitely wasn't at all within their usual way of thinking about things. There's definitely some aspect of that that's a immigrant parent perspective where I obviously they did a lot of really amazing work to get me to where I am and that required doing uh, things that are like dedicating themselves to a particular craft or like dedicating or a particular path that was guaranteed to be successful and lay a good foundation for us, um, us being me and my siblings. But now that I'm here, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I think I have a different approach to things slash like I think I value different things in terms of how I approach that work-life balance, as you said, or in some sense, nixing that balance entirely (laughs) and just trying to establish a general philosophy of what I care about and do the things that are aligned with that. So I don't know if there are any particular things that you pull out from the way that your parents kind of view work-life balance or the very least like concepts of work and career and things like that. Uh So to take it one by one, I guess, like my, my dad, he had a pretty successful career in law. And then he actually quit when he was in his 40s and had only recently ascended, per se. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to brag too much on my dad, because I feel like that's, that's just such like a white boy thing to do. <laughs> he like, he had like a quarter office in Manhattan, and like, you know, all, all the all that fun stuff. And he, and he quit to become an author. Uh, and that's what he is now. I don't know. I feel like I've told you that. So I feel like my dad, for a while, had a more traditional perspective where he went to law school and then he joined this law firm and he stayed there for 20 years. But I think he really understands what I'm doing, specifically because like he like had a very similar entrepreneur- entrepreneurial journey where yeah. he like quit his job where which he was pretty good at to go try to be an author which he had never done before and it took him some time but like now he's published and doing very well at that so i i think that is like an interesting irregularity but in some ways i think my, my dad is like actually pretty in line with my thinking just because i i think he had a pretty similar journey and yeah. then my mom as well like she started as a lawyer but right now she's a uh, teacher so I think both of them started off pretty conventional careers, but then pivoted to something that they were more interested in and like more in line with what they wanted to work on. And they were both worked pretty hard to like get there, whether 
like it was my mom going to teacher's college, like while also, you know, having a bunch of annoying kids or my dad, like quitting his cushy job to become an author. So I don't know, like, I, I don't think that's especially typical, you know, and it kind of gets to the different perspectives people can have on this stuff. But I, I do think that was definitely like in line with my thinking to some degree. It definitely like motivated my thinking around my career uh, to see that it, you could be successful doing this kind of stuff. And I mean, certainly like to give back to side hustles, like I think the book was my dad's side hustle for a while while he was still working. So, mm. yeah, because I, I knew I know he like had this like vague idea that he wanted to be an author for a half decade before he actually quit. Yeah. I think it is kind of cool though, that you did kind of have role models in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and also I think it's probably worth acknowledging like right off the bat that like, or well, not right off the bat, (laughs) but (laughs) 22 minutes off the bat, (laughs) 22 minutes off the bat. Um, But it's probably still worth acknowledging that we both come from like pretty like privileged positions in that sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, this is definitely not something that both in terms of the resources that we now have available, having like a role model like that, all of that is definitely something that I think we should both be eternally grateful for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, I think the thing about side hustles is Mm. there's, there's kind of two perspectives, perspectives I see on them. Mm-hmm. out like in society or, or really just on my Twitter timeline, which <laughs> for, for me in quarantine is society, I guess. So there's like one, which is the perspective that I think we're coming at it with, which is like side hustles. They can like creatively rejuvenate you. But then in addition to that, they're also like great potential, you know, next moves for you career wise. And in that lens or definition of side hustle, the goal is almost to turn your side hustle into your main hustle. But I think there's like a nether view of side hustles where it's like in the scope of burnout culture, where people just feel so motivated to work and monetize themselves (laughs) that even hobbies have to be turned into these like hustle porn you know, grinding shit. Like, oh, I'm like working on Sunday, bro. I'm like doing my side hustle. And under that perspective, I think they can feel like, you know, a lot more nefarious. So I wonder for you, what defines a good side hustle versus a bad side hustle? I think within the framework that we've been talking about this, I think we've been very much going for more of the latter, I guess where it's not necessarily meant to be, oh, like we're doing this to monetize it. It's more like Mm -hmm. this is just generally aligned with the way that I think and the things that I want to do and the the, where I find inspiration, I guess, right? Yeah. And just engaging in those, whether it's literally just painting or reading or writing a blog, journal, like just other things that you do that are not your job (laughs) and are still enriching in some way. I think for me personally, that's the kind of side hustle that I want to engage in. And that's like very much my bar that like, if it's, I don't care if it's monetizable by any means, it's really just about does, do I feel like it has personal meaning and value to me? Or do I feel like it's a way for me to 
grow in my interests broadly. That's very much how I see it too. And I think, I think what that gets to as well is like maybe the downside of hobbies. What is a side hustle versus a hobby? I think what it comes down to is like side hustles. There's an end product, right? Right. That you're, you're trying to build something versus hobbies is very like, like it's creative, but you're not necessarily, you don't have an artifact coming out of that. And I think to some degree that gets around the monetization question, but I do think the thing about side hustles is there's this accountability because you're creating something. And like, if you're doing it publicly, there's that accountability to try to do it well, try to do good work there. And I understand that's not what everybody's looking for in their downtime, but that's very appealing to me. It's like this podcast is a lot of fun, but it's also really made me think a lot about how to be good at running a podcast, like editing stuff. And I I don't think we're there yet, but part of the appeal for this podcast with me is I do think we can get there. It has to be that alignment between like, yeah, I would totally do this just for fun and like throw it all away. But what really motivates me to invest and get good at my side hustles is the fact that they can pay off. And in terms of like both the end product that we build and also just the skills I can learn along the way, that definitely is part of the appeal. That's actually a very, very good distinction between side hustle and hobby. And I think Mm -hmm. another perspective to bring into that as well, for example, if you do have a very specific philosophy around how you want to create impact in some way or like how you want to live your life or whatever things you think are kind of meaningful to you and your community, especially when it comes to even just like social things, um, social things being like social benefit things, I suppose there are a lot of problems out there and chances are that your particular philosophy on what the problems are, chances are your job doesn't cover all of those by any means. <laughs> and this isn't to say that everyone should be like a civil servant in their downtime, but rather like if you feel like there's another cause that you care about or another part of your identity that you feel like, Oh, I could support the other people in my community by doing X, Y, Z thing. That's, definitely something that people should take on and actively think about. And that's not necessarily even just like through like volunteering, but find ways that you specifically can actually make a difference through some side project and just bring people together and work on it. I mean, like we, we started this podcast to address the glaring social problem of there not being enough podcasts where two guys (laughs) talk about tech. So Right. I feel like I mean, we're like, doing our part. We're definitely doing <laughs> everyone that. Else, everyone else just follow our lead. Like, find a social problem on that level and then, you know, try to tackle it. See if you can do as well as us. <laughs> we're, we're, we're really leading the charge here. Really like the vanguard here. <laughs> <laughs> they can also be fun, just to, like, point that out and make that very clear. Yeah. But, <laughs> or, like, skill-based or, like, other things. But I think yeah. what you mentioned about, like, there's an actual output of it and usually one that actually will be shared with others in some way. No, I really like that because I think what that gets to is the fact that monetization is only one way that your productivity can be utilized. Like one thing you can do with your creativity and time is, you know, slot that into some kind of business model where you can sell 
your labor for money or sell goods you produce for money. But another way you can do it is serving the community or building social capital in different ways. If you look at the decline of social capital over the past 50 years at this point in America, a lot of what it comes down to is the decline of different social organizations like rotary clubs or bowling clubs. The line between side hustle and hobby gets blurred in some cases there. A lot of it is like different groups coming together. Mm -hmm. So I do think there is something to the idea that like, okay, like, yes, it can be a little soul crushing if you work long hours of the job and then you try to monetize your side hustle. But if your side hustle is organizing a local community to do some important task or clean up a river or something, or it's to like just try to build a group of friends that do something fun together. I think those are very valid side hustles. And I think society needs a lot more side hustles like that if we're going to reverse a lot of the more concerning macro trends when you look at stuff like loneliness or the number of close friends people have. Like all of those have been going down for decades in America. And I think a lot of it comes down to just the fact that people aren't necessarily doing these kinds of creative ventures as much as they did before. Yeah. I think one thing that does come to mind with a lot of this is actually kind of restructuring the way that our jobs are, I guess, in order to give more time to that as well, right? Mm -hmm. So again, I think in some cases, larger companies will make it such that you either have the creative freedom or the structures put in place for you to go out and do other things on the side. I mean, um, this is, it's arguable as to exactly how effective or how utilized this is, but Google has like 20% time. I mean, 20% time is one of those things that you like, it's usually put towards a different Google thing, first of all. And second of all, it's not necessarily a guaranteed thing. Like I don't think that, like it's not actually, I'm not sure how much it's actually encouraged. Like in my, in my experience, I don't think I knew that many people who had 20% projects. And mm -hmm. for the most part, it's not like your manager or anyone else in your org would actively encourage you to go off and do those things, right? Yeah. And so nowadays, now that like now I'm starting to see alternate structures come up where companies and other organizations are kind of more actively encouraging, not necessarily downtime, but just like further enrichment time to be built into the schedule. Yeah, I mean, well, what's, what's interesting to me is the fact that these companies, people aren't that productive there. <laughs> that's that's kind of what got all of this initially think starting for me was like, is the optimal culture for creatives that you go to work at 10 a.m. and you leave at 6 p.m. and <laughs> you're like on the clock until then and you're in an office with an open office plan and a standing desk, right? It's just like, like I just described 200 different tech companies because they're all the fucking same and they're all operated in this way. And yeah. it's like, is that best for people? Is that how people would choose to work if they could? Yeah. I think the answer is no. If you look at just very creative people who have the space to set their own creative process, right? So, you know, your artists, your fashion designers, you know, you're like uh, creative agency heads, right? People who 
have risen to the top of the industry to the point where they can set their own rules. None of them recreate this structure. So it's like the, the real reason that Google is structured that way, it's all around just having a quantifiable unit of work that is easy to understand and that can be rolled up in a executive summary for the VP of engineering. That's the problem that's being solved by these work structures. It's yeah. not the problem of how can we get the most creative work possible. And that makes sense when you're at the scale of a Google. Like Google doesn't need that much creative energy anymore. <laughs> like they, have, they have these great products that throw off billions of dollars of cash, right? So the, the Google Google's problem is just keeping the whole ship going. It's not creating new ships or creating like a fancy new engine, right? The types of people who try to come up with new engine designs actually aren't that productive at this point in Google's life. Mm -hmm. But then it, I think they're just that opens up so much design space for companies who do want those really creative people to do their best work. Yeah. And I think the answer is something a lot closer to like a side hustle than the nine to five in terms of its structure, where you just have a, a bunch of different projects. It's pretty much at your leisure in terms of what you want to work on at any given time. Obviously, there are external deadlines. Like, it's not like you're working in a vacuum, but you just have control. And it's up to you to pivot and understand and prioritize. Mm -hmm. And I think what that leads up to is just this place where you can spend your creative energy where you want to, whenever is most optimal for you. For instance, right now, working from home, like I'll often, when I'm working on a hard problem and I'm at a roadblock, I'll just go like for a bike ride for two hours and clear my head. And then usually when I come back, I've solved that problem. Or if I haven't solved that problem, I'll go work on something else. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, like, Running a startup means I work a lot. Like, I'm not trying to say that the optimal strategy for everyone is not working that much and just having fun. Like, I probably work like 70 hours a week, but it doesn't really feel like that because I'm able to break it up so much between doing research and doing different kinds of projects and doing this podcast and writing. And it just feels a lot more manageable to me. And again, it's like, I don't have work-life balance. I just have a life. <laughs> and I, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. I'm really, really happy for you, by the way. Like, Thanks, buddy. I'm happy yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also happy for our friendship because we can finally, we no longer do we have to start all of our calls with how much we hate our current jobs. <laughs> <laughs> was like, that, that really, that was a huge time sink. <laughs> or at the very least like talking about how we're like making moves to get out of them <laughs> right yeah i think one other thing that i did want to mention actually which kind of reminded me or rather what you were talking about what reminded me of this um was also the idea of kind of collectives as well where you have a group of people who have a pretty similar set of values and interests and things like that and they just spontaneously start projects together. And as they're interested in things and can bounce ideas off of each other, like share resources that they've run into, like all of that kind of expands what we've been talking about on a much more individual level, as far as like you go through your life and you like pick up little things here and there and like just like figure out like where inspiration strikes and like keep things flexible. 
but mm-hmm. it does make that a much more again not institutionalized that's the wrong word but like a much more collective thing and so i feel like that's actually one thing that i really want to look more into that could potentially be an alternate structure that does allow for much more of that general flexibility and i think again the key is still trying to keep things focused and heading in the same direction i think obviously like (laughs) like this gets into much more like organizational theory shit but like like as far as having a group of people who don't necessarily have like a manager telling them what to do all the time maybe you have a de facto like team lead or maybe that role cycles or something like that but some kind of structure like that could potentially lead to much more flexible, much more interdisciplinary kind of working environments that to me, I would love to work in something like that. And I think that maybe exists in some studios. Um, It definitely exists on the more community organizing side of things. Um, But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think, I think what it comes down to is that environment really only works if you have very high trust and very high vision alignment. Right. So if you no longer have, because in my mind, there's a pretty sharp distinction between a manager and a leader. And it's like a manager is basically just in charge of getting people to do work, like the right kind of work. Like that's their job versus a leader's job is to inspire a common vision amongst a group of people to like get them all to like think in the same way such that they can do that kind of work. So if you're, you know, so if you're talking about creating an organization without a manager, what do you really need is trust? Like, okay, nobody is going to hold you accountable anymore. So everyone has to hold themselves accountable. Right. And then if you're talking about an organization without a leader, what you really need is a vision. You need yeah. everyone to come in with this crystal clear vision of what they want to do such that you don't need a single person like whipping it all together. And I think both of those things are pretty hard to get to, but I don't think they're impossible. And I think it, it is a really cool environment when you can get to that kind of vibe. And I, I think like it's a lot easier to cut out the manager than the leader, I think, because I think if you find smart, hardworking people who are very self-motivated, they, none of them really need managers. <laughs> I think cutting out the leader is a lot harder because smart, hardworking people also tend to have a mixture of strong egos and strong self-belief, right? Like they all like they all have self-confidence that whatever they think is true is like a good idea. So like the job of a leader is like a foil who can synthesize all of these strong-headed people's ideas about what should be built into this single thing. And I think that's kind of tough to not have because then you just build this like crazy amalgamation of lots of different people's visions instead of a single coherent one. And maybe there's some media where that can actually be, be a winning formula, but normally what you really need is cohesiveness and you need leadership for that. Yeah. Yeah. You need leadership need facilitation. Yeah. Like as far as like facilitating between different people's different concepts of the vision or whatever it might be. You need someone to kind of also like inspire people as well still. Like yeah. no matter what, again, as we've been talking about, as an individual, you'll have moments that you're not really feeling 
like working on this or this particular thing is just really driving me up a wall or whatever. And you do need someone to be able to also facilitate that aspect of things and keep morale up and things like that. But you can still, I think you can still have a leader and not necessarily like a super hierarchical system of like seven levels of managers. <laughs> who like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just bureaucracy. I mean, I think, I think, like, like I said, like, I think there's so much design space in how these organizations are structured that just hasn't been explored. Like people who start companies and build these kinds of cultures, they don't want to innovate. Like they're already doing such a risky thing. It feels really risky to try to innovate on the organizational structure stuff as well. But I do think if you can be smart about it, you can get some work done. But I also, and then I also think there are, there's a lot of opportunity for like collectives, activists, community, like, like, like just like, like more people besides companies trying to contribute to what could a workspace look like? What could a team culture look like? Um, Like, I think there's someone trying to do like a SF hacker house, uh, and I think that's great. Like, I'm not sure I would want to live there. I bet it would smell bad most of the time. But, <laughs> like, I think it's great that people are going for it. No, I definitely agree that there's a pretty broad design space here. Um, and I think it's very much about encouraging that kind of individual flexibility and individual, like, just pursuing side hustles, getting inspired yep. by different media, like, things like that. And then also still driving that collective vision and productivity so yeah yeah awesome well this was a great conversation if any of you out there are foolhardy enough to actually follow our advice start a side hustle but uh make sure it doesn't burn you out i again i think a good test for side hustle that i've always tried to apply is really just like would i do this if there was no outcome besides like you know, the actual experience of doing it. But then also, if I do invest in this and make it grow, will I learn more? Will I have like a cool product that I can look back on later? I think those are the two important components. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we got to the philosophical stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we could have gone even deeper on that stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> like, yeah. We but, we always somehow blow by blow by that thirty minute <laughs> timeline we set for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we can. Um, we'll get into that side of things a little bit later, I'm sure, and or in a different episode. Yeah. All right. Great talking, man. Great See job. you next week. See ya. Bye.